podcast one production. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. And in Health Hacker, we break down a health topic for you in every episode. But this, this is a bit different. This is a health hacker interview where we find out from inspiring people how they've hacked their lives and then pass this knowledge on to you. So we call it Hacking the Hackers. Before we get started, if you have a suggestion for someone you'd like us to hack, ask Adam directly by emailing healthhacker at themanshake.com.au or leave a comment on the Manshake socials. In this episode, we speak to Javan Langford. He's come all the way from America to speak to Adam. He's a former basketball player, so he knows a lot about health and fitness, but also his passion now is about the internal fitness we need to work on, especially for men. He set up something called The Mentor, spelled the M-E-N-T-O-U-R. Check out their Instagram page. It's awesome. And so is Javan's Instagram as well, if you want to see what he's up to. But he's here on this episode to tell us about how The Mentor came to be and what it can do for men around the world. If this episode brings up anything for you mentally that you're struggling with, please reach out to Lifeline by calling 13 11 14. They're open 24 hours for telephone support. Okay, Javan, welcome to Australia, mate. How are you? Thanks for having me. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. <laughs> now tell us, what brings you all the way to Australia? Man, you know, purpose. Purpose brought me here. There's not really any other way to say it. My vision for my life is really to support men, creating platforms that support men and breaking through their personal challenges. Why? Because I was a man who spent most of my life being deeply hurt by men. So Australia has been one of those uh, springboards, if you will, to come here and kind of test the waters and really uh, get uncomfortable and take a big risk and try something new. But the beauty is that it's a double, it's a win-win. And what I mean by that is the community gets to win by some of the incredible opportunities and platforms and products and services that are being launched here. Yep. One of which is Manifest, the Ultimate Men's Health Symposium we just had this weekend, which was incredible. Yeah, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so we have this bigger vision, the mentor, right, which is a global brotherhood of purpose-driven men who are committed to creating cultural and sustainable changes in the world. And in order to do our, our bigger vision, it's really important that we build community. So I've traveled the last five years to India, Africa, Canada, the US, uh, Europe, and now Australia. And I've learned a lot. And in this process, I realized that men don't have a place yeah, really yeah. in society or a place that they can go to. Men are looking for community. We really are, including myself, but not a place to go to, but rather to come from. Yep. And I thought, how do we create that place? And I thought, I'm waiting for everybody else to... <laughs> to create it, grab a brick and uh, do it. And I said, you know, maybe that person's me. Maybe I'm the man who's going to be the men, the man behind the men, who's going to create the platform, who's going to take risks, who's going to go step out of his comfort zone and try something new. And as I was stepping into this with a lot of fear and, and a very little courage, uh, <laughs> tiptoeing as we do when we, when we yeah. hear the whisper right from the, <laughs> from, from the great whatever, um, I realized, okay, there, there's something happening here. Something is really underneath this conversation for me. So I sat down and really got, grabbed a piece of paper and this vision came through of building a conscious campus for men. Oh, wow. What I envisioned was, you know, four complexes. One was a, a wellness complex. We had state-of-the-art equipment and smoothie bars, nutrition center and, and a farmer's market and footy field and soccer field and basketball and Olympic-sized pool. And I saw this uh, resource center with doctors, lawyers, therapists, and dentists where men can come in and have, you know, access to those resources. I saw a leadership complex where we had a huge round auditorium where men can come in for retreats and deep conversations and empowerment panels with a wraparound library and a meditation dome in the basement. I saw, it just, be, it just got super clear. I thought, well, wow, that's a big vision. That's way bigger than me. It's going to take a community to build that. 
what needs to happen before? I need to gather men. How do I gather men? I got to give them something that they need. I got to make it evident. I got to speak from a place of vulnerability, authenticity, and from a place of power where they can see me. I started sharing my story, Adam. I started sharing it more and more and more online on different platforms and going to community, having these Taco Tuesday gatherings, anything that brought men together. And it literally created a life of its own. And on that journey, I met a gentleman, his name is Mike Campbell, yep. which I'm sure you're familiar with, right? The founder of Beyond the Bears. And, you know, I feel like life's about relational wealth. As men, we're taught to create financial wealth. Yep. Go get that money. But no one teaches men the importance of relationships. And that's something I, I love and we can dive into later. Yeah. But Mike was one of those relationships on the journey. And we made a choice one day about maybe six months ago. I've known Mike for several years, but about six months ago, I sat down and I said, listen, I'm not doing enough in this industry. If, if I'm calling myself an authority in men, in the men's space or men's mental health and well-being, then I need to be gathering men. So let's do like a symposium. Let's have the Coachella, the, the, the Burning Man, the, the Olympics of men's events. He says, I said, you down? He said, yep. I said, okay, well, how, he said, how do we do? I said, how is none of our business? We need to know who we're serving, what we're bringing to them, where it's going to be. And we just literally gathered a cast of leaders and we just had the symposium. And it was phenomenal. Hundreds of people came out, the historic location, Sydney Town Hall. And it was powerful. Leaders across cultures, across industries, across lifestyles came in and set down their armor, set down the mask. And we had a very powerful conversation on the state of masculinity and what our job is as it pertains to the next steps. Amazing. I love that we're having these conversations now. And, and the reason we are able to see these conversations is because of technology. And we get to share so many people's great stories. Your story to me is inspiring. So can you tell people a little bit about your background? Because what I love about it the most, I'm not going to ruin the story, is the fact that most people allow their circumstances to shape who they are in mm. life. You didn't mm. do that. Yeah. I think what was different about my story is I was able to strike at the source of my greatest challenge. Yep. And then I was able to create sustainable and also um, honest choices yep. along the way. I was a, a young guy who went through you know, a lot of dysfunction like any other man. But as my story goes, some broad strokes, I was born to a teenage mother uh, at the age of three, lost my dad. He had leukemia. He was 29, didn't make it to his 30th birthday yep. and went through foster care. And everything that comes with that abuse, physical, sexual abuse, went through school, was profusely bullied throughout school from fourth grade all the way through high school. And any man or woman who's in pain, we find an outlet for me with sports. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can relate to that. We, mm -hmm. find, we found something that fed our soul, mm -hmm. something that made our life make sense. And for me, it was basketball. And uh, I picked it up in seventh grade and I grew about five inches over the summer of <laughs> my freshman year. And I started being taken seriously and got pretty good at it and got recruited by a lot of schools. And it was my outlet. But for a long time, Adam, what, what the, the issue that I had, the, the challenge that I had was I was doing it for everybody except for me. Oh, wow. I was doing it because they saw me finally. It gave me an identity, it gave me a voice. And so I wanted it to be seen, I wanted it to be heard. And that was the, the, the route, that was the road that allowed, that allowed for that. Until one day I woke up and said, you know what? I love other things that I'm embarrassed to talk about. I love art and I love film, I love poetry, I love storytelling, I love you know, inspirational content and I love community and I love, I'm, I'm an intimacy guy, I love to hug and I'm tactile and like, but I can't show that because I'm the athlete and I gotta be, you know, I gotta be big and broad shouldered and, and, and deep voice and I gotta yeah. speak like this. And I say, you know what, I'm tired of living for them. I wanna live for me, I don't wanna be the next this or the younger version of an old thing. I wanna be me. 
And I went on this huge journey, yep. this huge journey of developing myself and educating myself on who I was and what I've been through and breaking through a lot of those challenges. And today, one of my greatest challenge, which was sitting across men and connecting with them has been my purpose is holding space for men to break through their greatest challenges so that they can stand in their truth mm. and not leave a legacy, but live their legacy. Love it. Yeah. And identity crisis is a word that's used a lot in society. Um, as athletes, professional athletes, I know myself, I, I struggle mm. with that. Tell us how you got over that because obviously being defined as an athlete and put in a box, whether it's because of the skin color or because of your sexuality or because of your gender, we all seem to like to put people in boxes. How did yeah. you identify what your new identity would be? I think the first step is exquisite honesty. Mm. I lied a lot. Mm but most importantly to myself, mm -hmm. and I couldn't count on me. I couldn't count on me. And the reason why sports was like a safe haven or a hiding place is because I had a team that kept me accountable. Yeah. But outside of that, I didn't have that community. Yep. But we all go through, especially athletes who go through what's called identity foreclosure, where you have to let go of who you think you are mm -hmm. or what you're being acknowledged as, right? Men, we love to be acknowledged. <laughs> so to let go of the sport was to let go of the community. Let go of the sport was to let go of all that I ever knew. And so I had to find something that was worth letting it go. And personal development leadership was that thing. Personal development leadership was what helped me find my way back home to who I truly was, which is why when you experience the level of freedom that I have today, where I can get on a plane and go to a different country and build community, which is kind of delusional when you think about it, right? Yeah, like, yeah. hey guys, I'm American, <laughs> I'm in Australia, follow me, pay me to support you in your life, you know? so. I'm just taking major risk and I, I've never trusted myself, God, the universe, people like I do today. And I think a big part of it is because I was willing to be honest with myself with what was working, mm -hmm. but most importantly, what wasn't. And when you do step into that level of honesty, it creates room for new relationships. It creates room for new beginnings. It creates room for opportunities to flow your way endlessly and effortlessly. And that is what my life is representat representation of right now. Yeah, amazing. I, I love your... Um analogy you use with people in general, they want to find the treasure, but they don't want to dig. They don't want to do the hard Man. work. So, you know, how do guys dig down and become better? Mm. I have kind of a three-prong approach. And I would say for me, it's content, community, and conversations. So I went on in the beginning of my leadership journey, which is probably 14, 15 years ago, I was handed a book, right? How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm -hmm how to win friends and influence people. That book changed my life. And again, it goes back to the term, the term that I mentioned earlier, which is relational wealth. I understood that if I was going to make more money, it was going to be because of a relationship in my life. If I was going to feel more fulfilled, if I was going to live and lead a healthy lifestyle, it was going to be because someone came into the picture and shifted my perception. They came in and brought new information and then, presented an invitation for me to take action on that information. And so I, I feel a big part of my journey was on really diving into content, reading books, podcasts, attending leadership events, taking on coaches, spending, I think the last 15 years, I probably have spent well over half a million dollars on personal development. Most of my money, taking people to eat, out to eat, lunch, mentors, buying books, going to leadership uh, weekend events and retreats, online courses, I mean, Everything that you could possibly do, do to develop yourself, therapy, <laughs> ther I mean, I mean everything. I went back, I actually went back to school for a master's degree in, for, to get my MFT, which is marriage and family therapy, because yeah. I really wanted to come in and, and have all the three letters behind my name so that people could take me seriously. 
But what I realized is that those three letters were really the only thing that was standing in the way of me truly being able to create the impact that I knew I was able to create. You know, being in that degree is like, well, when you sit down with the client, you sit down with the man, you can't share your personal story. You can't um, spend too much time with them. You can't let them in on anything that, that, that's happening in your personal life. I'm like, well, how am I telling him what to do, but I'm not letting him into my life? So I, I had to really reevaluate that. But content has been huge. Mm. I think community. Society is built in a way where men, the, their actual identity, the formation of their identity is being suffocated, suppressed. Society doesn't benefit from healthy men. Mm. And so it's so important that we understand that and how we grow aware of that is being in a community of people who remind us who we are. We go into this world, there's billboards, there's music, there's, we're just surrounded by examples of that we are not enough. That we're not big enough, we're not brown enough, not white enough, not rich enough. Not, we're not enough. We're just not enough. And so it's so important. And community has been one of those things that has given me just this confidence that, that I've never had before. You know? So, and then I say the last thing is conversations. Like even as I'm sitting across from me right now, mm -hmm. I'm learning things in this conversation. I'm going places maybe I haven't gone before mm -hmm. because conversation brings out the best of us. And when you're in communion with others, you really have the space to go to places that you wouldn't normally go. And it just creates room yeah. in your mind, body, and spirit. And as you build men, right, their, their appetites, you, you help people, you, you help men take off the weight and keep it off, right? <laughs> and I help men take off the weight, W-A-I-T, and keep it off. They're holding on to stories. They're holding on to ways of being and beliefs about themselves that are not working whatsoever. And if they just set down that weight, they won't have to wait for the money. They don't have to wait for the wife or partner. They don't have to wait for the clarity of mind. They don't have to wait for that feeling that that that, that feeling you get in the morning when you know exactly what your day is going to look like. Yeah. And so I was that man for so many years, and I just feel so obligated. It's just a sense of duty to really step up and to take risk, which is why I'm in Australia. I don't have to be here. Yeah. I get to be here and make impact. So it's, it's a gift. It's such a blessing. Yeah, you want to help people. That's your mission. Absolutely. Particularly men. And yeah. I'm excited because it's all about timing. Life's all about timing. And I think now I'm excited because men are willing now to have these conversations. You spoke mm. about conversation being so important. Why do you think now we're more willing to have these conversations? I think I tend to meet men, CEOs, culture icons, professional athletes, you know, the guys I work with who are high performing, but they struggle with that power and prestige. Mm. And I, f I feel like a big part of that is that they're in these great transitions. And in, the, in those transitions, they don't have a sense of self. Like men literally don't know who they are, what they want, or where they're going. And because of that, they distance themselves in relationships, right? It's kind of like I think of the body as a temple, right? Mm -hmm. As a home. And when your house is a mess, we don't have company over, right? If your car's a mess, you drive. If your house is a mess, let's go to your house or the bar, right? And when a man is not clear on who he is or in his heart, he doesn't allow people that close. And so with that comes a consequence because all failures in ethics are failures in intimacy because we're not close enough. We don't have people who are willing to say what needs to be said. Mm. For me personally, being in Australia, I'm coming with the medicine from America, right? I have a big bag of medicine, all these tools, tips, and techniques, and yeah. products, and services, and things I know can support men. It's been proven. Mm -hmm. And as I come here, my experience is that there are a lot of leaders who are very much committed, like yourself, who are committed to creating platforms to give people a voice, to spread knowledge and wisdom that people can take action on and change their lives. But unfortunately, when you don't have the tools in place, you don't have community in place, you don't have content, and you're not 
partaking in conversations like this, you show up as a substitute leader. Mm. Right? In school, when the teacher's out, you have a substitute teacher. <laughs> and so when, you ha- when you're being led by a substitute leader, you're not getting all that you need. You're not having what you came for. And so you're showing up incomplete. You're building inappropriate relationships. And everybody's paying a price. Everyone's paying a price. And so I'm very much committed to shifting that conversation. Yeah. You know? It's brilliant. And, yeah. and you touched upon something very enlightening before as well. You talk about people developing their own personal stories, which hold them back. You know, they, yes. they basically label themselves. Yes. But understanding your personal story is probably the first step to transformation for most mm. people, which is awareness. Tell us about the importance of awareness. Awareness is everything. Mm. Awareness is why I'm here. Awareness changed my life. I feel like that's why coaching is so important. Mm-hmm. I, that's why content is so important in community because they bring you and make you aware of what you've choosing or you pretend not to be aware of. A lot of us know we feel, right? We're feelers. You feel when something's wrong or when you've done something that's out of pocket or you said something that wasn't necessarily true about yourself or others. We feel those things. So I, I feel like with that being said, a big part of how I navigate my community, navigate conversations and the content that I put out is just really going first. It's just leading by example and being vulnerable. I don't, I don't, to be quite frank, if I could be, can I, can I be yeah, of course real you honest? Yeah, okay. yeah. So a lot of things I share online and, and on TV, I don't want to share. Mm. I don't want people to know that I was abused mm-hmm. or that my father died. I'm another black kid with no dad mm. that I, I turned to sport like every other colored child. Right. I don't want people to know that I was in foster care and that I was adopted and that I had this rough upbringing. I don't want, I don't want to be a charity case to mm-hmm. people. But I, but I know if I tell my story with layers, texture, and color, that there is a man who may come across this podcast and say, me too. Mm. And if, I can, if we can get more men to say, me too, I got what you got, and then they can step into that next level, let go of that old identity, that old way of thinking and belief, then everything changes. Everything changes, and that's my commitment to this process, my commitment to this, this industry. Absolutely brilliant. And yeah. you also talk about not being so concerned with what other people think about you, which yes. I, I live by that analogy. I'm not too concerned about what other people, it's none of my business mm. what other people think about me. Mm. Tell people how to develop that type of mental mindset. Yeah, I want to I read something to you. Okay. After the symposium, this guy sent me this message yep. and he said, I want to let go of my false identity and become true to the person I know is hiding deep underneath and inside but I lack the tools to become a better person and I lack the confidence to talk about my life to anyone else but you. I feel safe in your presence, safe of judgment and safe of breaking down. You said, we need you, brother. And I know you meant that and I need to live alive because I told you I have been having thoughts about not wanting to be here anymore. But the truth is that I need soul brothers. What it takes to do the work, I, I will sell everything I have to pay to support to make this happen. I want to play bigger. I'm not... He said, I'm not cut out to live a mediocre life and play small. I want to get involved and help people. Please tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. Mm. That's my general experience of men in Australia. Mm. We're just not saying what needs to be said. And we're not playing big. We're not playing big. And we, here's the thing. We know it. Mm. We know it. We know it. Like I come here. You know, a big part of the reason I'm here is because of men's work and because of the suicide rates and they're astronomical. And we can run numbers and and stats and and percentages here, but we all know what's happening, Mm -hmm. right? Men are are leaving. Men are choosing to take their lives. Men are dying to live. Mm -hmm. Literally dying to live. They think that their families, their partners, 
their communities are better off without them here. And so coming here, it has been a huge awakening of my soul and it has given me so much, uh, I mean, I get emotional even thinking about it, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. It, it, it's given me, it's been a reminder. It's been a reminder that life is not what we think it is. That life is one of those things that evolves based off of how we see it. And a lot of men don't see life as a place that is safe for them. It is safe for them to be fully expressed, safe for them to communicate their greatest visions and deepest thoughts. And we cannot suffer openly. This is, this is not a place where men can truly suffer openly. And that's a conversation that the mentor, that manifest, that everything that we do is committed to shifting and changing. Yeah, so giving people a platform, giving them community, absolutely brilliant. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. How do you get past worrying what, about what people think? Because with social media these days, people keep asking me, why is there so much mental health issues with men? Why is there so much suicide? A lot of people you know, will point the finger at technology, will point the finger at obviously this social media has opened up You know, a lot of fake sort of brilliant lives. People get on social media and look at someone else and go, wow, what a great life they have and they feel insignificant. They're constantly bombarded and being reminded that they are less than other people. Um, how do people get past these sort of hangups? Yeah. It's for me, it was, I had to really stop and thankfully had incredible mentors along the way who reminded me of this, but I needed to develop a relationship with myself. Mm. And for me, this is my journey and I can only speak into that, right? I'm an experience-based leader. I'm a a, a storyteller and um, I just share from my heart, you know? And for me, developing a relationship with self was really kind of twofold. It's kind of a dichotomy. And I feel like every man inside within has a little child, has a little boy. I don't like the word boy, but for the, yep. just for context of this, <laughs> where we are, and I can go into that later, but just, just, for, the, just for the context of this, a little boy, right? My, my name is Javon. My little boy, his name is Juju, right? Little Juju. And Juju needs my attention, right? He needs love. He, loves, he needs affection. He needs connection. He needs affirmation. He needs to be acknowledged. And when he's not taken care of, Javon, the man, doesn't show up in a healthy way. And then there's the higher power. And that, for me, that's God. And everyone's sanctuary could be the ocean, it could be the forest, it could be walking in the street, it could be time with your children. It's so important to have that connection, that connection to a higher power, something outside of yourself and something within yourself. And when a man can develop those two relationships, he shows up different in every room, in any relationship he's in. And I know that because I'm that man. I know that because I work with those men. And when a man has that alignment, we call it flow, abundance, clarity of mind, whatever word you want to use, we show up with our shoulders back, our head high, and our heart open. And those are the men that the mentor is committed to building. And how that happens is by men being honest about what they want, clear on who they are, and willing to go and trust the journey, yeah, wow. the process. And loneliness um, you know, is a big killer in society, obviously. Social mm. isolation is equivalent of smoking five packs of mm. cigarettes a week. Mm. Um, it's killing a lot of people. Talk, wow. about, talk about how do you hack into loneliness because that's something I know you're passionate about. Well, here's the thing. It's, it's such a, for me, it's such a funny conversation because well, funny is not the word. It's, in, it's ironic, isn't it, when you talk about the word? It's ironic. Yeah. It's ironic because if a man doesn't know how to be alone, mm-hmm. he will only know how to be lonely. Like, I love being with myself. About two years ago, for the first time, I was invited by a coach 
to take myself on a date, to date myself. <laughs> what is it like to be, what is it like to date Javon? In four, six months, on a weekly basis, I took myself out to eat. I went food shopping, bought myself gifts. I'd shower, rub my full body down with lotion, sit yeah. in the bed. I'd sit in a robe and, and read a book. I spent time with myself. Men don't know how to be with themselves. We need to latch on community. We need someone to talk to. We need to be doing something physical. We can't just be with ourselves. I came here this morning with myself. I dressed myself. If you don't know how to be alone, it's a very long journey. Life becomes a very different place. And so I would say that's the first thing is learning how to be with you. And how do you do that? Is there any techniques like I use meditation and mindfulness and, and to basically become present? I try to listen. Yeah. So my mum always used to say to me, Adam, mm-hmm. you're given one mouth and two ears for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> so just trying to be more present on a day-to-day basis. So any tools that people can use to hack into being more aware of being with themselves? Yeah, I think awareness is matter uh, is a matter of practice. Mm. And whatever you practice, just be clear on two things. It's what you practice on and who you practice with. I've meditated. That's not my jam. I can't mm. say I'm good at that yeah. or that I do it consistently because yeah. I don't. I have a five-minute meditation on my phone that I'll use. And I'm because I have a relationship with myself, I know when I need that five minutes. Yep. And I honor that. Um, but my my practice is by the ocean. So I live in California. I've been based there for 10 years yep. from Cape Cod on the west, on the East Coast. And now I'm on the coast of Australia. I'm always by water. Yep. I got to be by water. Right? I spend time in, in London and I'm in Spain. And water is my sanctuary. I think probably, Adam, because... When I was three, I lost my dad and my mother was a swimmer. My father was a lifeguard and they always had me and my sisters by the water. Yeah, wow. And so I had this connection. When actually when my dad passed away, he was cremated and his ashes were put in the ocean. So I feel like that's my time with yep. him. Yep. And, um, and so that, that's my space. But I feel that my practice other than being by a body of water is community, mm. is relationships. Like I have, I take my relationship, my relational currency very seriously. I'm very conscious with who I spend time with, how much time I spend with them. I'm conscious that people in my life are going to influence the depth of it, the distance I go and the direction of it. And so one thing that I do focus on when I'm coaching men is teaching them how to take inventory in their relationships in their life. Some people think, oh, I've known Adam for 20 years. And you know that's one of my strongest relationships where the length of a relationship does not determine the strength of it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I've met people at Starbucks in 15 minutes. I've told them my deepest truth <laughs> and we became the best of friends, yeah, yeah. you know, and I've known people for 20 years and I have secrets I haven't told them. So it's not about that. But I think if men learn how to develop themselves, yep. develop their relationships, develop their visions, everything changes. It's my personal belief doing work with men for the last five or five years yep. or, or 31 years of myself, right? Is that men need something to hold on to. We need something, we need something bigger than ourselves. For me, it's the mentor, yeah. right? This is my, this is my best idea. Yeah. I'm, I'm living my best idea right now, you know? And I want that for everybody to live their legacy. I'm not waiting until I'm 50 or 65 years old to do this thing. I'm 31 and I'm in another country with not all the answers, with not all the solutions, but I'm going for it. Because what's the alternative? What, what is the alternative? There really isn't, right? So I feel like the world's greatest challenges, like homelessness, sex trafficking, gun violence, war, um, you know, child slavery, like the, like the big industries that are not working in this world are the direct result of dysfunctional men. Mm. And I think men are dysfunctional, Adam, because they're at war in their minds, in their hearts, and they don't have spaces like this where they can congregate and communicate the truth yep. of the matter. Yep. And so they hold on to it. 
they suffer in silence and everyone pays prices for them. So much gets left unsaid and men stay. They remain underdeveloped. I develop men. I create platforms where men can be developed, where humans can be developed, where women can be developed, all men, all the men's can be developed, <laughs> right? And so with that development, the world looks differently. It looks differently. There are a lot of unhappy, unwhole, uncommitted, unconscious. I mean, I can, we can keep going. I know we, have, we, have, yeah. we don't have that much time left, right? <laughs> but we're, we're breaking the mode. We're disrupting this. And I, and I feel like I'm just one big, this mission is one big loving interruption to a lot of the societal crises that we're experiencing today. And so I'm, I just feel honored to lead a mission like this. I feel honored to find partnerships and leaders out in the field who also know there's more available, but don't know how to access that. Well, this is a platform. Yeah. This is the platform that happens. Brilliant. You're doing it from a real place of authenticity and you've given us so much gold already talking about if you don't have the right circle of influence, make sure you change it, have the courage to really pursue your purpose. Mm. Um, there's a lot that goes into making everybody, the complete human being. Yes. You're very fit these days still after being a professional athlete. Yeah. What do you do to obviously stay in shape these days? Again, I don't have anybody around me that's that will malnourish me. Yep. I think, you know, you focus on the health side yep. and I do as well. But I feel like for me, I think a healthy body starts with a healthy mind. Yeah. Because if I don't see myself as healthy, I will not live a healthy life. And so a big part of the work that I do is supporting men in developing a relationship with themselves yep. and seeing what more is available. I feel like my gifting is seeing beyond not who the, who a man is when I meet him, but who he's meant to be, who he's in the process of becoming and closing that gap. A lot of men don't see that. So I feel like for me personally, I've had people who have held space for me. And today, um, how I stay fit, mental fitness, yep. I think there's emotional fitness and spiritual fitness. I think mental is my relationships, physical is eating clean. Yep. You know, I think of my body as a business. Yeah. Would I put that into my business? I feel like, yeah, just eating clean and like eating things that make me feel good about myself. Yeah. You know, like I, I feel that I grew up in a household where it was not necessarily the healthiest food because we didn't have the healthiest of budgets. Yeah. But um, as I grew older, I just learned that if, if I take care of my body and my mind, if I take my body, my body will take care of me. Yeah, I agree. And I think the spiritual fitness is really through reading books, developing myself, having a relationship with God, I think also even 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 underneath that for spiritual for me is like spending time with self. Yep. You know, I feel like because I know myself, I can have a conversation with the president of the U of, well, I don't know if I want to talk to the president of the U.S. So I think that back, <laughs> but I can, but I can, but I can yeah. sit across from him. I know that I can. And, and, and just using him as an example, he, his challenge in my experience is that he never, had anyone who cared enough about him yeah. to hold space for him to really go and get to the heart of the matter. And he's just underdeveloped. He's just an underdeveloped man who's really crying out for support, for love, for connection. And it's easier to cast a stone at him, to throw some, some terminology at him, toxic and misogynist and sexist. And while some of those things, or most of those things are true, it's not who he is. Those are his behaviors. Those are his attitudes. Those are his, his actions. And it's so important, even the men that I work with is being able to separate the action or behavior from the man, right? If a man puts his hand on a woman, he's an abuser. If a man, uh, so how do we separate the belief and the behavior from the man, right? Same with toxic masculinity, this buzzword that's so convenient to be thrown around. Men aren't toxic. Their behaviors are. Yeah. So it's just that separation 
And so I, I feel like for me, it's just teaching men how to see themselves as who they would like to see themselves as, and then they can show up and they'll start to take action on that information. And I think to be at peace with yourself and, and obviously have a healthy mind, it's an holistic approach. So that's yes. where you're talking about food being so important, having a, a good diet um, and how much it impacts your mood. We now know that serotonin, which is the main neurotransmitter for, for wellness and health and yeah. happiness, 95% of that's created in the stomach. Um, so there's certain things that you don't eat or there's certain foods that you, uh, you go to to make you feel better or? Mm, I love, I have fallen in love with water. Yep. I never really drank a lot of it. Even playing sports, I had Powerade and Gatorade, all the sugary drinks. We, did, <laughs> we were talking about this off, yeah, off yeah, set. Yeah. Like I, we were just uneducated. Yeah. Great marketing will, will make you do crazy things, right? <laughs> but I, I've learned to kind of flush my body with water. And um, that's been a huge thing. I'm six foot six, 225 yeah, yeah. pounds. I'm a big guy. So yeah, I got to yeah. drink, drink a lot more water. I definitely demand much more of my body than I put into it. Yep. So working on diets and I have uh, just incredible people who are in my life supporting me with that. But I say, uh, I love how you said, I watched one of your, your pieces and you said you're not a herbivore <laughs> or an omnivore or you said you're a, 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 a nutrivore. nutrivore. Yeah, and I, I love that. <laughs> and um, I feel the same thing. I kind of listen to my body when it needs salt, when it needs sugar, when it needs healthy, but I'm, I'm more of a pescatarian yeah, yeah. these days. Yep. Um, so we eat a lot of fish. Um, and um, every once in a while, I have some white or red meat, but I feel like I just listening to my body. I Listen know my body, body enough to know what it needs. Um, and I work out. I love working. I'm an athlete. Once an athlete, always an athlete, right? So how do you train you, these you, days? Yeah, you yeah, agree with that? I'm good yeah. with that. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> how do I train? I, I love I love to surf. I'm an Australian, yeah. so I get to do a lot how more of that, that now. Yeah. Oh, how good is life? Yeah. And um, I played basketball, so I, I, I ran. I probably have ran more on a court. <sighs> I can't even tell you how many miles I must have ran on the basketball court in my time playing ball. So I don't particularly like running, to be quite fair. But I do lift, yep. and I love swimming. Swimming's yeah, a big yeah. thing for me. So I love the ocean. I love jumping in the pool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also really enjoy dancing. So that's another wow. thing that I like to do. So, so you found yeah, things that yeah. you love to do rather than making exercise a chore. You've made it fun. Exactly, exactly. And sleep, it's a huge pillar for mental health and mental well-being. Have you got any uh, sort of hacks that you apply for yourself? It that? is. You know what? Uh, alarms. I set an alarm to go to bed. Yeah. Go to bed. So right. I, I operate probably off of six and a half hours. I know they say eight hours. Eight hours, I feel like I always oversleep. But I'm li I am living my dream right now. Yeah, yeah. And so it's hard to sleep. It's really hard to sleep these days. Um, and so it's doubly important yep. that I put the right things in my body, that I'm eating clean and that I'm around healthy energy. And um, yeah, I'm doing the best I can out of my, you know, I, you can't solve, you can't solve the puzzle in one day, right? <laughs> so you do, you do the best you can, but I, I'm luckily and, and glad and blessed and fortunate to have people around me who remind me and take care of myself. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. So if somebody is out there struggling, what would you encourage them to do today? Mentally, they're struggling, they're a man, mm. and they feel like they've got nowhere to turn. What would you suggest? I would say sit down and really get clear as to what you want. The greatest question that I was ever asked is, what do you want? Brilliant. What, what do you want? And when I sat down, of course, I said, well, I don't want to be stuck in a job, and I don't want to be broke like I've been my own life, and I don't want, and, I, and he was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Listen to the question. You're not listening. What do you want? And it was really eye-opening to realize that it was much more harder to say what I wanted to declare something. But when I started doing that, the people showed up. The resources showed up. The opportunities presented themselves because I put that out to the universe. So I would say be conscious of your language. 
I would invite men to be conscious of your language and what you say, how you speak about your life, how you speak about what you want or, or, or desire to have right now. But also, I believe it's important, I've heard you talk about it as well, being kinder to ourselves as men. Yeah, that's a big one. One thing, uh, a gentleman asked me, I was in a, a middle school and I was speaking in America and they asked me, what's one piece of advice to, that you'd say to your younger self? And I said, be gentle with yourself. I think as men, because of the societal pressure, because of family dynamics, we have this idea and this, this philosophy that we're playing from behind. That, man, Adam's got a podcast. I should have a podcast. And damn, uh, island of men, they're doing this huge thing on the island. I should have an island. And in uh, November, they're doing this, this huge camp. And, I should, and it's so easy to get caught up in what everybody else is doing. And what I would say to men is just focus on you. Get clear on what you want. Brilliant. Right? Think about people like Martin Luther King. He didn't say, we have a dream. He said, I have a dream. And his dream became that of everybody else's because people found themselves in it. And everybody, I believe, comes into this world with a dream. And it's your duty, it's your responsibility to discover what that dream is and follow it. Follow the feeling of that dream and trust that the right people places and things will present themselves. I say that because I am in the middle of that. I've never trusted myself, God, the universe, mother nature, father time. I mean, fill in the blank that I do more in this moment. And it's a reflection of this, you know, working with this incredible PR team, uh, <laughs> Maven PR, these guys are rocking the house and supporting us and pushing this message. And also being with people like men like Mike Campbell from Beyond the Beers and Shira Lincoln from Gensack and Rowan Wallace Hill. These coaches, our, our board is incredible. We've got Evan Money from the U.S., who's an amazing speaker and author. Benisa Griffin, who's on the board of directors, working with NFL players, out professional athletes. It's attracting a cast of characters mm -hmm. that is just going to be one of the most incredible films you've ever seen. Yeah, great. And we're committed to it. Oh, awesome. And we're trusting it. And it's, uh, it's going. And you're next. We're going we're to get, get you on board. <laughs> well, I'd like to ask, I always like to give because it's obviously the greatest gift is giving. Mm. Um, what's a book that you would give to somebody? Mm. There, that, there are two that come to mind yeah. immediately. All of my clients, it's required reading within the first week of, of working with me to read one book. And it's a book that has changed my life financially, emotionally, spiritually, but most importantly, mentally. It's a book that I feel that every man, woman, and child needs to read before they transition to wherever we go. It's a book that has really supported me in understanding that I don't have to have all the answers today. The book is, you ready? Yep. All the Places You Will Go by Dr. Seuss. Tell me the quote. I love the quote of Dr. Seuss. Oh, there's so many. But my favorite Dr. Seuss yes. quote is, I hear there are troubles. I love this quote. Of more than one kind. Some come from ahead. Others come from behind. But I bought a big bat and I'm ready, you see. <laughs> and now all of my troubles will have trouble with me. Brilliant. Life is about troubling our troubles. And I feel like if you are willing, right? Some have a strong will, but most have a strong won't. But those who are willing will have what they came for. Those who are willing are going to attract everything they need. It's just trusting the process, developing relationship with self, feeding your soul, building community, and just taking it one day at a time, just staying in the practice of it all. And it'll come to you. It'll come to you. Because at the end of the day, I really feel like we're just all walking each other back home. That's awesome. And what would be the other book you mentioned too? Yeah, the other book is a book that, um, you know, we say phrases like develop a relationship with yourself. This book is that. This book is 101, develop a relationship with yourself. This book is one of my favorite authors, top three authors, Dr. Seuss. 
Um, this book is by Don Miguel, Miguel Ruiz, and he is an author, has, has authored many books, but one that has really changed my understanding of what it means to be with me and also understanding that if I have a relationship with myself, it will be felt and experienced and people will literally be magnetized towards me because of that clarity of mind, body, and spirit. And it's the mastery of love. Huh. The mastery of love, it taught me a lot. I think that the most important thing it taught me is that I had a very high threshold for pain and uh, between addiction, abandonment, and abuse, um, being deeply woven in the fabric of my story, it really gave me an understanding of how to reframe that and then to practice stories that served me and supported the people in my life. Brilliant. It's been an absolute pleasure to interview. I'll just leave you with this last question. If you got to put a billboard up in Times Square, what would that billboard say? Oh, man, it's a good question. It would say... Mm. It would say, live your life based on results. Wow. All that matters is the result. Personally, professionally, sexually, financially, across all the LLYs is the result. All that matters is the result. I'm in Australia for a result to shift, to put a dent in this thing called suicide, depression, men taking their lives. I want men to see that there's value in them being here, that there's more available to them, and that they can access it if they make a different choice to choose life, to choose their family, to choose to be here now. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. And you will make a, a difference in so many people's lives in your trip to Australia and you are getting a result with your amazing platform. So once again, yeah. anybody that wants to check uh, more out about uh, Mentor, can you yeah. tell us where to go? Absolutely. Before I, we sign off here, I just yep. want to say something to you. I really appreciate you allowing me onto the, this, this platform. And I also acknowledge you for creating this platform, Adam. It's so important that men like myself are giving a voice and a space where we can speak our deepest truth so that more men can see that there is more available to them. This conversation, who knows who, who it reaches, yeah. but if it just reaches one man agree. and he's here, that changes a whole family. It changes multiple generations of children, of youth and community. So I just acknowledge you for caring enough about men about women, about the human race, for being here, because you don't have to be here either. And I know what it takes to be on here and cutting these videos and getting <laughs> on here. It takes time, energy, and effort. And so I just acknowledge you for caring enough about the world to create this platform. Well, thank you. For men like me, thank brother, you. I really appreciate I it. I appreciate and, you. Thank you. And if anybody wants to find out about what we're creating, you can go to thementor.com. You can go to javonlangford.com. And on socials, it's The Mentor, M-E-N-T-O-U-R. And check us out, follow the movement, and be a part of the community. Well, once again, thank you. Absolutely brilliant. Appreciate thank it, brother. You. Thank you. If you have a suggestion of someone like that you'd like us to hack for you, ask Adam directly by emailing healthhacker at themanshake.com.au or leave a comment on the Manshake socials. And remember, if this episode brings up anything for you mentally that you're struggling with, please reach out to Lifeline by calling 13 11 14. They're open 24 hours for telephone support. Health Hacker was created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Written and presented by Adam McDougall. Produced and presented by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. To listen to more episodes, search Health Hacker Podcast. Listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.